to eat new foods and you'll change your brain forever. This week is a special episode as we venture into an area of thought that I truly believe to be virgin or lightly pressed. The matter of the talk and vibrates vigorously on my tongue and in my ears. And for context, what brought me to this theory is cooking's crucial role in science. So that being said, welcome to Flavor Quest. Let's get right into the queue. If we expanded our capabilities and cerebral capacity by cooking, then therefore, cooking with specific ingredients would have inherently given us different information to process. Cooking techniques, processing styles, seasonings, flavors. I say information with a lot of intention here. As we are a swirling metaphysical cloud of truth, lies, ones, and zeros. When we venture deep into the atomic world, our existence is but mere action and reaction. Truth, in the molecular sense, is very simple. But we perceive truth in a very complex and convoluted fashion. That is due to our tongues, our eyes, our ears, our touch. In our processing centers upstairs, that quite literally create a virtual reality before us projected with the lenses that which we have found in our flavor quest leading to the now. It's all just information that we're perceiving in the way in which we know best. But the reality of a honeybee with its compartmentary vision, or a snake with its heat and motion-sensing nerve endings built into its face, is true. So who are we to say that our truth and how we perceive is the right one. The food we eat is more information. And if we were to find a way to process that information differently, then I guess we could change what we know to be true. For example, our concepts of what was real and possible changed greatly when we discovered a way to alter the biochemical information and the makeup of our fuel. The compounds changed. And as we ingested this new high-octane diesel, our cerebral networks changed along with it. So that super speed train brought me to this station. Naturally, of course. If we were to try new foods and in new modalities, then essentially we're downloading the new software into our brains. I don't believe that our growth came from communication, language, or culture, but I believe that communication, language, and culture came from our food. We communicate because we cook. I think we wanted to get sharper around the fire to tell better jokes. Hear me out. Imagine us being around the flames many years ago. Watching the meat we hunted carefully for days on days on days, burned to a crisp. Ungo and Bonbon, our caveman representatives, must have had a furious revelation when they realized that the correct time spent on the fire was indicative to the right amount of processing. For the metabolic values rose and fell as the times changed. 
that change was felt and sensed. I can speak for myself and other culinarily inclined folks here in saying that this information is not inherently known by man or woman whatsoever. In fact, I've watched many friends burn their expensive steaks to a crisp and eat it wholeheartedly too, with a dumb smile boistered next to their social media tags of hashtag Wagyu steaks for days. But when we realized that there was an importance in cooking times, the paradigms changed. Time around the fire suddenly became very important. As the food cooked, there was a reality created where the initiative wasn't for hunting or gathering, but processing and clear communication of your emotions. These moments grew the space where being sharper in your reactions was how you developed and advanced in your community. This theme runs true in our world now. The sharper ones develop and grow to new heights and can perceive the grander thoughts placed before them. Directionality, spatial awareness, and nutritional consequence were introduced. These all were huge concepts for a primitive brain, let alone a slightly intelligent one, too. So how did Ungo tell Bonbon that he needed to turn his stake to gain the pest seer? First off, what even is a seer? And what were the words to describe that? This culinary-based introduction of large abstract ideas all at once created the perfect conditions for a process called synesthesia. Synesthesia is what happens when we introduce a lot of abstract ideas all at once to a growing brain. Synesthesics will tie one sensation to another sensory response, but not in the fashion you'd think. Senses, thoughts, feelings, emotions, any pathway in your brain can and will overlap. Synesthesics taste color, feel smells, and can see sounds. Synesthesia is a complex reality formed through education and how or when the lessons are laid out before you. This leads to a concept called ideasthesia, which appears to be the more mature version of what synesthesia can breed. If abstract ideas are interwoven at a young age, then ideasthesia occurs as you develop with these stone cerebral pathways. The pillars of ideasthesia are that we interact with factual sensory information around us and through mental correlations and constructs that we know to be true, will we form synesthetic responses bred in our truth. Now, it's not that we're making up or creating the responses, for they're hardwired into our brain. But following placebic and blind testing of these phenomenon, we found that they can be heavily influenced by taught information, personal experiences, cue correlations, and learned behaviors. For example, if we give a synesthetic a new Slavic language never seen before and tell them to correlate that arise from the new information, we'll see a beautiful complex language built from cerebral correlations, from pathways you can literally not understand with your brain. 
we can record that personalized language compass and actually see how the information is prevalent if we introduce another dialect with similar characters that the subject has, again, never seen before. So the core takeaway for me after learning this information is that our mental plasticity is incredible. And if we introduce new abstract ideas with intention in an order that we planned out or that was planned out for us, then we too can create minor synesthetic reactions and grow in our paradigmic understanding of the universe. I think we ate the first grand meal cooked on the fire, seasoned with intention, and changed our brain chemistry forever. I theorize that a beautiful light show of synesthetic fireworks embedded the cerebral pillars of our human experience today. I think we accidentally mapped out evolution in our search for flavor. It's a grand idea that we can implement alchemical principles into learning and experience life as we know it differently. But we can see coal as gold if we train ourselves to do so. We can convert pain to pleasure in our brains if we plan the roadmap to get there. Season with intention. If we give ourselves small rewards along the way and train our realities to shift with metaphorical pats on the back as we go, we can control how we feel and what we think. Pain and change are the only constants. So I've been working for years to alter what my definition of pain really is. And one weekend last year, I flew through multiple time zones to get to a tattoo appointment that I plan for and look forward to for months. After flying to Philadelphia from California, I woke up confused and lost in my hotel room. My abstract compasses felt a little thrown out of alignment, to say the least. A perfect moment to practice synesthetic alchemy. What occurred thereafter was a psychedelic experience in the processing of pain into pleasure. I sat in my tattoo chair for five hours on Friday, eight hours on Saturday, and nine hours on Sunday. And I meditated deeply through all. By Sunday, my arm was so swollen that it felt like there was a giant condom inflamed and inflated around the whole of my left arm. So on the final day, I went deeper and I decided to start playing the mind strings of sensation. After all, I was sitting in a chair for the whole time, not moving. I was tired of the pain. So I started converting receptory input into a dance of pastel colors and a flood of sensual exotic pleasure that I felt wash across my face. I decided that what I was feeling was not pain, for it was the moment that I worked very hard to reach for a long period of time. So all of the sensation was then pleasure. So... As my tattoo artist thrusted needles a thousand times over into my elbow ditch, I began to feel wave after wave of golds, pinks, and purples lapping at my sinus, 
my orbital bones, eye sockets, and over my mouth too. I felt joy in my teeth, and my skin felt warm. Actually, the ink wouldn't take on the outer side of my elbow, so he had to continue to buzz back over the bone a few dozen times. But I laughed and giggled along the way. After 25 hours in one weekend, we neared the finish line, and I told the shop workers that I was truly ready for more. They laughed and called me nuts. And that is a true story. So if you take the time to plan out your roadmap, your growth, and to think of your plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and are okay with change and being seriously uncomfortable, then the world really is your oyster. So go and shut that bitch. Pain is subjective. It's all just information. So decide that it doesn't hurt when you slip and cut your hand. Hell, you're still eating an oyster, are you not? But an oyster is pretty weird for some to try. For it would represent quite a few new paradigms if they enjoyed it. Texture, taste, sensations. If they disliked it, well, I think their world would stay the same. Change is uncomfortable. But I, for one, am very cozy in that space. My mother taught me how to pivot. And how to not look for what will hold me down. But for where I must put my other foot in order to pull off a perfect spin move getaway. Oh, you're running from things. Are you kidding me? I run towards the monster. I slide between his legs and punt the monster in his gross monster testicles. I will win in every situation that you give me. For I continue to plan out my reality with an idiasthesic principle and a synesthesic layout. I convert pain into pleasure and look for what is beautiful and delicious in my world. To tie this into our flavor quest, all of this, my friends, is from eating different foods, diving into new textures, and swimming in the unknown of your palate's dream space is what will incorporate what is new, what is different, and your view of the truth. We must forever and always take the spoon that is given. See what the spoon feels like in your mouth. Ask how it's different from what you know. If you do this, you're downloading the newest updates to your brain. Remember, your senses are not there for any old reason. They've been built up over millions of years to process the new information that we found in nature. So go and find what's new through our tongues and with our eyes fixed on the horizon while we try the first bite of the unknown, while we grow to our next form. It's called the no thank you bite. And thanks, I've never turned down a new spoon. That theme still runs true in my life today. And if we remember to practice and convert that theory with every possible situation, we can eliminate fear of the unknown in our cerebral cortex. Fear of the unknown is what saved us in our primitive days. But we've come a long way from them. The cave is still dark, 
but the light now is brighter than ever. It's just where you choose to focus your lens that will decide your fate. I believe that I will always find joy in the darkness and that the shadows over my eyes will forever taste like chocolate. My name is Leon, and this is Flavor Quest.